I'm speaking on the subject an excelling social life. An excelling social life. We all know that man is a social being. And social life is essentially and primarily about interpersonal relationships. Our Christian testimony will always be affected by how we relate with other people. So we always to, uh, need to be mindful of such things as how we relate with others, what we say, how we say it, how we treat other people, and whether or not we are concerned about their affairs. I believe that how we live and interact with other people should be guided by what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 31. Where the Bible says, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Luke 6, 31. Just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. It's a good guide for interacting with people around us. So there are several key principles that I would like us to discuss about our social life. These are more like key instructions. Number one. Always value people and relationships. Always value people. Always value relationships around you. Because God helps people through people. That is the truth. So God may want to assist you. But if the fellow he wants to use to assist you is not willing, that assistance will not reach you. So be careful when you say, I don't care what they think. Because if that is the person that God 
has earmarked to use to assist you then how they think about you matters Amen. Amen. Let's look at the testimony of Joseph, for example. You remember that Joseph had a series of dreams which pointed to the fact that he would be a great leader upon whom his own people would depend. The dreams Joseph had were true and they were from God. You remember Genesis 37? Verses 5 to 11. The dreams that he had in that passage were pointers to the fact that he was to become a great leader. But how did those dreams come to pass? The Bible says in Genesis 41, Genesis 41, verses 9 to 14. Genesis 41, verses 9 to 14. Genesis 41, verse 9 14. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my force this day when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. Both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamt according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now, there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hung him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So you see, in as much as Joseph's dreams were from God, it took the chief butler to speak for Joseph to Pharaoh, and when he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, he was promoted to become the prime minister of Egypt according to those dreams that he had when he was just 17 years of age. What if the chief butler was angry with Joseph? What if Joseph had shouted at the chief butler? You stupid man. I don't like you. Do you think the chief butler would have spoken so positively to Pharaoh about Joseph? I don't think so. God helps people through people. He helps 
people through people. That is why we need to be mindful about how we relate with people. I mean, there is no doubt Joseph was a gifted dream interpreter. But for him to interpret Pharaoh's dream, somebody had to introduce him to Pharaoh. In this life, it takes people to speak for people, for people to change levels. That is true. That is true. Hallelujah. Amen. That is how important people are. Let us look at David. Having talked about Joseph, let's look at David. No doubt, David also had a great destiny. But he couldn't have achieved that destiny without people. The Bible says, in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, and verse 22, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, and verse 22. Verse 22. It says, for at that time, they came to David day by day to help him. Until it was a great army, like the army of God. So we see here again that apart from his calling, anointing, and excellence, David needed people to team up with him in helping him to become great. That means people should never be taken for granted. Whenever God helps you to come into contact with a new person, please be careful, be sensitive, find out if need be from God why he has connected you with that person. Is it making sense here? Mm. We must treat people well. Why? Because you don't know how helpful those people will be to you tomorrow. If you think you can make it on your own without people's involvement, you are already living in self-deception. Because if a business personality, for example, you can't buy your own products and services. You need people to buy your products and services. If you are a beautifully looking lady, you can't say, I don't mind people. Now, you can't marry yourself. You, you need someone from among the people to marry you. Is it making sense? Mm. 
So if you are a single sister, be careful how you respond to people's greetings. When brothers are greeting you, be, be, be very sensitive and careful how you respond. Don't respond as if to say, why are you greeting me? I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Amen. I said hallelujah. Amen. I said hallelujah. Amen. If you are a Moses, you need a Jethro to help you become a better administrator in your assignment. Exodus chapter 18. Exodus 18. Verses 13 to 27. Verse 13, Pagana 27. Exodus chapter 18. Exodus 18. Verses 13 to 27. Verse 13, Pagana 27. Now, I want to say this. That any relationship you have today may just be that investment for the future you desire. Any relationship you have today may be the kind of investment needed for the kind of future that you desire. That means let us treat people well and never take people for granted. So the central point there in terms of instruction is that we must value people and relationships. Number two. We are talking about our social life. Celebrate other people's success. Let us always show goodwill towards other people's well-being. This is an important principle of social life. Don't be offended when you see others succeed in life. Don't be grieved when you see others succeed in life. Rejoice with them. Do not be like these two gentlemen in the book of Nehemiah, Tobiah and Sanballat. Who were grieved at the success of Nehemiah and the Jews when they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and the gates thereof. They were very angry. When they received news that somebody by the name Nehemiah had come to Jerusalem, hear this, to improve the people's welfare. And in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15, now hear this. Nehemiah 6, verse 15. Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 15. Nehemiah 6, verse 15. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I said, glory be to God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, so the war was finished on the 25th day of Elu, 
in 52 days. Next verse. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes for they perceived that this work was done by our God. Why should you not be happy when somebody is succeeding? Somebody's success is not the reason why you are failing. You are failing because you are not doing the right thing. It's not because somebody is succeeding that is why you are failing. So these people when they saw Nehemiah and the people you know, making progress they were not happy. Unfortunately that is what many people do today. So many people are not happy when it is not them succeeding. As long as it is somebody else succeeding, they will never be happy. When somebody buys a car, they will come round it to inspect it and even hit the tires. <laughs> are you going to manage this car? How are you managing your own? How are you managing your own? Do you have three brands? Don't you have one brand like me? And you are able to manage your own? Is it mine that I will not manage? They will look at somebody's wife and say, wow. He has married a beautiful wife. But is he going to manage the woman? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Let us celebrate with others when they are succeeding. When you see others excelling, join the celebration. And thank God for their success. Why? The success of others is an indication that God can make you a success as well. Let us rejoice at other people's success. Let us look at Jethro. When Jethro visited Moses in the wilderness, the Bible says that Moses shared a testimony of all the great things that the Lord had done through him for the people of Israel. Powerful stuff, the plagues that hit the land of Egypt. Which Moses administered. How he took the people out. 
how God used him to part the Red Sea for the people to cross it on dry ground. And how that people didn't have water. And God instructed him to hit the rock and the waters gushed out. How the enemies were defeated, the Amalekites. Powerful stuff. How, how did Jethro react to that kind of testimony? Exodus 18. Exodus 18. Verses 7 to 8. Exodus 18. Exodus 18. Exodus 18. Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. Now, let's move to verse number nine, going down to 12. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, now hear this, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods for in everything in which they behave proudly, he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. He rejoiced. He rejoiced. He said, what a blessing. He celebrated God. Not for his own breakthrough. But for the breakthrough of Moses and the children of Israel. He even went further to give God an offering. A thanksgiving offering. We usually give it when it is our own testimony. What if you gave that thanksgiving offering for somebody's testimony? He rejoiced with Moses for the success he had in leading the people out of Egypt. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. So when you look at the scriptures, the scriptures have given us general guidelines as to how we ought to treat one another in our everyday life. So I want us to quickly sample some of those guidelines. Guidelines on how we ought to treat one another in our 
daily lives. There are so many of them, but let's sample a couple for the time that we have. Number one, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Romans chapter 12 verse 10. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Aroma 12 verse 10. Can I have it in New Living Translation, please? The Bible says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So we see two instructions there. Number one, love each other with genuine love, genuine affection. No need to fake it. Number two, take delight in honoring one another. Or give preference to one another. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 4. My God. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 4. The Bible says. Let each of you look out. Not only for his own interests. But also for the interests of others. But you know that that's our attitude generally. We want something that promotes our own interests. Yes. 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 Politicians are like that. And Alichoncho. <laughs> and generally people around us including ourselves we are like that I wouldn't be surprised that somebody is wishing that instead of me it should have been them preaching tonight that's That's people are. Are. I wish that was me. I need the microphone. Okay, see me at the end of the service. I'll give you the microphone. You see somebody driving a car, a nice car. You want to claim it. Don't claim mine. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says we must give preference to one another. Number three. The Bible says that we must be like-minded and in humility each should esteem others better than himself. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 2 to 3. Be like-minded. And in humility. Each should esteem others better than himself. Yeah. Yeah. Can I have it in NIV? Philippians chapter 2 verses 2 to 3. 2 to 3. It says then. 
make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Verse number three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain concert. Rather, in humility, hear this, value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves. Read that whole passage from verse 2. Mm-hmm. Point number four. The Bible is also instructing us. Number four. To live peaceably with all people. Don't be a quarrelsome person. You know there are some people that are always looking for who to fight with. The Bible says we must live peaceably with all people. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12. It says pursue peace with all people. I like the NIV rendering of this verse. NIV. It says make every effort to live in peace with everyone. You see, you can't live in peace with everyone if you don't make effort. Because, I mean, if you're not careful, you'll be fighting with people every day. Because every day has enough reasons why you must fight with someone. Because somebody may look at you as if they are suspecting you to be a thief. You you can pick a quarrel with that. Why are you looking at me like this? Am I a robber that you should be looking at me like this? Then you start fighting. How about on the road? (laughs) So, So, the Bible is helping us to understand here. That we must live in peace with everyone. And he says it requires effort. Make every effort. There are some people who may not be willing to be at peace with you. But what effort have you made to secure the peace. It should be that you've tried your level best and somebody is not just willing to be at peace with you. That is something else. But many times, effort is not made. That is why we have children of God who are not in talking terms with some fellows. We have made silent and secret vows in our hearts. 
never to interact with certain people. So if you go to the same church, you want to watch where they are seated so you can sit on the other side. And we are deceiving ourselves that we are all on our way to heaven. Heaven is not a place of grudges. Heaven is not a place of bitterness. You can never be better if you are always bitter. Romans chapter 12. Verses 18 to 21. If we may take it from the New Living Translation. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. <laughs> Do all that you can. He says, try your level best to live in peace. Try your level best to live in peace. Try your level best. Try, try. Do all you can. Employ all means and strategies to live in peace with everyone. These are important principles of our social life. Let's read on here. Dear friends, Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. <laughs> For the scripture says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. How many of us can give our precious food to our enemies? Somebody, you know that this one is a real enemy who always fights against me and then he's coming to you to say, please, can you help me with some lunch? Are you not going to tell this fellow to say, you No. The Bible is saying, give them something to drink. Something to eat. It says, in doing that, you are actually heaping burning coals of shame on their heads. Verse 21. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Yeah, it's true. Number five. Be completely humble. Gentle. Patient. 
bearing with one another. These are instructions God has given us in the scriptures. Be completely humble. Gentle. Patient. Bearing with one another. Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 2 to 3. Ephesians chapter 4. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance. Hear this. For each other's faults. Because of your love. He says make allowance for faults. Mm. Verse number 3. Says, make every effort. You see the issue of effort. Mm. You see, some people think that the spiritual matters do not require any effort at all. No, it's not true. Yes, we can never achieve anything without the help of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, we can't achieve anything if we don't make every effort. Making every effort to keep ourselves united in the spirit, binding ourselves together with peace. Number six. Forgive those that have wronged you. That's an important principle of our social life. It has to do with how we relate with others. Forgive those that have wronged you, especially your spouse. Your parents. Your children. Your boss. Your subordinate. Forgive. Forgive. Those that have wronged you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, please. Uh, New King James Version. Ephesians 4, verse 32. And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. There is a lot of unforgiveness among God's children. But we need to be mindful of what the Bible says will happen to us if we don't forgive those that have wronged us. In Matthew chapter 6, Matthew 6 verses 14 to 15, verse 14, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 to 15. Matthew 6, verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But 
Kwa That is a bit you don't know. You are saying, oh Lord, forgive me. I have lied today. Forgive me. You, you must know that forgiveness is conditioned on you forgiving those that have wronged. And the Bible is very clear. If you don't forgive others their sins, your own sins will not be forgiven. Maybe you didn't know that. That is why we have so many unforgiven people in the church. God is yet to forgive them. Because they are yet to forgive those that have wronged them. And Jesus gave a whole parable on this, isn't it? About one seventh that one who went to borrow from his master and he borrowed a lot of money let's say 50 million kwacha and he didn't have the means of paying back and the master became impatient and commanded that he should be imprisoned. But the fellow went to his house. He said, sir, please forgive me. Can you extend the repayment period? The master looked at him. He said, anyway, I forgive you. You don't have to, to pay the, the ngongole again. It's okay. So while he was grappling with that huge debt, at some point he had also given someone some 5,000 kwacha. And so he went to this guy who was owing him 5,000. He said, my friend, you need to give me my 5,000. So his friend also at his level could not pay the 5,000 kwacha back. <laughs> Matthew 18. Verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, very small amount. Mm. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. Hey. <laughs> Saying, pay me what you owe. Grabbed him by the throat. <laughs> Let's read on. 
29. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet mm. and begged him saying, have patience with me. Mm. I will pay you all. Please just give me some more time. Mm. Verse number 30. And he would not. But went and threw him into prison. Verse number 31. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done or what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that this fellow had done. Verse 32. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Verse number 33. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? My God. Verse 34. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. You see that? Mm. Until he should pay all that was due to him. Now look at this. What was the instruction here? Verse 35. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. He says this is what God will do to people that are unforgiving to others. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, let's move on to number seven. Number seven. Another important guideline mm. is rejoice with those that are rejoicing and mourn with those who are mourning. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Romans 12, verse 15. Rejoice with those that are rejoicing. And weep with those who are, I mean, yes, mourn with those that are mourning or weep with those that are weeping. Can I have this verse in a different version? Say good news or something like that. What is it saying? Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Mm. Hallelujah. Amen. But you see others. Morning when others are rejoicing. How come she is the one who is promoted? Hmm? How come she is the one having an engagement and not me? Wait for your turn. We cannot all succeed at the same time. In as much as we are all going to succeed, but it may not be at the same time. We are serving the God of times and seasons. It may not be your time yet, but if it is your brother's time, celebrate with him. And don't rejoice when others are weeping. You know, some people will be happy to hear that somebody's marriage is on the rocks. And they begin to say, some of us were already knew. Yeah, we already knew that these people are faking. 
It's not a surprise that the marriage has collapsed. Are you sure you are happy? You are not concerned at all? That your brother's marriage has collapsed? Now, this Romans 12.15 should be the basis of our welfare services. In the church, at home church level, and at individual levels as Christians, this is what should drive our welfare ministry, even at a personal level, in helping one another. Welfare there means the ministry of helping. When you hear that a sister is in trouble, financially, or somebody is sick, we must be quick to respond and to assist. Hallelujah. Amen. When we hear that somebody is bereaved, even at personal level, we should be available to comfort and encourage that particular person. But life is not all about weeping. So there are also seasons of rejoicing. A family has a baby. Rejoice with them. Your sister has a wedding. You are not available. You know some people, when others are rejoicing, they are not available. When others are weeping, they are not available. Where are you? Where are you? What do you want? What do you want? People are weeping, you are not, you don't want to weep. Others are rejoicing, you don't want to rejoice. Where are you? Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, less available for let's be available for other people's emergencies. It could be anything. Let's be available for other people's emergencies. It's, it's Christianity. That's true Christianity. You hear that a brother has lost his job. And he's struggling to feed the family. And you have the means. Pull out something. Pull out something in that direction. Okay, I'll pay you for your, for, for your rentals, for example, for the next three months. Yes, what's your monthly uh, budget for groceries and for upkeep? 200,000. Okay, yes. That's being Christian. That's weeping with those that are weeping. If you don't weep when others are weeping, you have no one to weep with you in your day of weeping. Because 
You know, it's typical in the villages. You know, when there's a funeral in the village, people start who is available. Yes. At least where I come from. So they will see that oh, this family, this house. <laughs> They don't participate. We are sending our, our sons to the, to the cemetery to dig the, the grave. They are not available. Okay. okay. And when that house is bereaved, <laughs> the stage is strike. Yes, the stage is strike. no. They, they will do it themselves. Yeah, they will do it themselves. They, so they, that's what they do in the village. <laughs> you, you did not weep with us. And you want us to weep with you. No. Of course, the Bible says do not pay evil for evil. <laughs> But that's for Christians. These people are not born again. <laughs> so they don't know your verse. They don't know that verse. <laughs> they just say, we don't see your sons. During our funerals. Is it now that you want our sons? No. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. It's an important principle. You want others to love you, be the first to love. Don't be a selfish Christian. Number eight. Number eight. Guidelines for social life. Number eight. Number eight. Have a good testimony among those who are around you. Have a good testimony. Be of good reputation. The Bible says. Bible Talking about the power of a good name. He says a good name is like precious ointment. As Christians, we must value the importance or indeed the place of having a good name. That is, we must value being of God good reputation. Mm. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 1. 7, verse one. A good name is better than precious ointment. A good name. Yeah. Yeah. The chair rendering is excellent. A good name. Do you have a good name? Are you of good reputation? That is, if your name was mentioned, 
Are people going to smile or frown? Huh? You know some people when their name is mentioned. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. People say, womanizer, womanizer. So the question that Jacob was asked is very important. In Genesis 32. The question was, what is your name? See, everyone must be conscious of their name. Genesis 32, verse 27. So he said to him, What is your name? And it is also important to know your exact name. If you are Jacob, call yourself Jacob, not James. Judith or Joanna. Uh huh. Is it making sense? So, Jacob was right to say that he was Jacob. Because Jacob means what? Swindler. And God said, we need to change this name. You can't continue being a swindler. You can't continue being a liar. You can't continue being a cheater. You can't continue being pretentious. We need to change your name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 7. 1 Timothy 3 verse 7. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 7. 1 Timothy 3 verse 7. 3 verse 7. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside. It's very important to have a good testimony, especially out there in the communities. In your workplace. Are you of good reputation in your workplace? Or you are the type about which people will be saying, if this fellow will enter heaven, then I will also enter, come out, and enter, greet God, and then come out again, and then enter now for good. Hey. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what locals will, t- will say, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because they are actually questioning your character though you call yourself a Christian. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Can I have it in a different version? Change the version. Good news translation. Be wise in the way you act toward 
those who are not believers. Mm. Amen. Amen. So, um, now having said that, I want us to look at relationships as they pertain to different people groups. I think for the time that we have, we want to look at our relationship with workers. Whether you are talking about workers in our homes, for some of you that are bosses at the office, then we are talking about workers in terms of your subordinates at the office. Those of us that run our own businesses and companies, then we are talking about workers in terms of staff that works for you in your company or your business. That is what we want to look at for the time that we still have. And then tomorrow, <laughs> we will take it further to look at other relationships. With neighbors, work colleagues. Because there is a lot happening with people among their work colleagues. Including extramarital affairs. Is that how to relate with a colleague? You go out with them. When you are both married, that is for the other sessions. But for this one, let's look at our relationship with workers. Right from the onset, I want to say this. <laughs> that every worker you have, be it in your house, in your company, or at the place where you are the boss or you are supervising others. Every worker that you have, please, I want to say this, that worker is somebody's child. Please understand this. The fellow is not just an employee or a staff or a worker. That fellow is somebody's child. Therefore, it matters how you treat that person. I said that to say this. That the way you treat other people's children will determine how God will treat your own children. That's big. 
Because life operates on a law. It is called the law of seed time and harvest. The law of sowing and reaping. The way you treat other people's children. In this case, the ones you are calling your workers, my staff. Will determine how God will treat your own children. The way you treat your workers. Is a seed you are planting on how other people will treat your children in the workplace in future. Already, some of you need to uproot the evil seed you have been planting by the way you have been treating your subordinates, when your workers, when your It's true. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 1, it, I mean, that verse is very instructive. It says, Masters, give your subordinates or your bond servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. My New Living Translation. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Yeah. Be just and fair. Amplified. What is amplified saying? Masters, on your part, deal with your slaves. Justly and fairly. Justice and fairness. Justice and fairness. Justice and fairness. That means workers must be provided with a conducive work environment. Where necessary, let them be empowered through appropriate trainings. The terms and conditions of work should equally be fair. Workers must be paid in good time. There is a lot of abuse, especially on the part of domestic workers. Some people employed some house workers and they are in areas of their wages. And the only time the fellow tried to remind the fellow was showered with all kinds of insults. By a boss who calls him or herself a Christian. Some workers, they will start working at 4 a.m. Until 1 a.m. The following day. 
No rest. It's happening. And he will be preparing what? What do you call it? Chicken. Nice food. But he's not allowed to partake of it. So he will prepare the table all kinds of foods. Massive. For you and your children. And his own meal is sima and vegetables. You are wicked. You are a wicked family. It's wickedness. And some people are surprised that their children are behaving funny, funny. Look, it's a, it is a harvest for ill-treating other people's children. That maid in your house, that is somebody's baby. There is a parent somewhere who is proud of their child. Is it that that fellow is working for you that she should be abused like that? No rest. And you even give the fellow a monthly allowance that is way below the minimum wage of the country. Is he not eating my food? He's eating my food. He's using my water. Come on, wicked woman. Some of you, you only look nice when you come to church like this. You look nice face. Nice face. But your workers know you are a Difficult person. And there are some of you. How many times will you change workers in a year? Even your husbands are tired of you changing your workers. Three months. The fellow is gone. Two months on this one. Then why don't you cook yourself? Don't employ anybody's child. Is it if you see a man marrying and remarrying, marrying and remarrying, and when you talk to him, he will be blaming all the five women that he married. Mm -mm. That, look, there is something wrong with the fellow. How can all the five women be bad women and you are the only righteous person? Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. James chapter 5 verse 4. 5 verse 4. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. 
Itaona ndalama zama lipilo zimene muna, kani, muna kanika kulipila aganyo aja Anka senga munda mwanu zikulira mogu tutani Kulira kwa ogolo Yes, no, read that last part The first part, the first part Itaona yes. ndalama zama lipilo uh-huh. zimene muna kanika kulipila aganyo aja Inura mene mukanika kumari vila ndalama Ndalama kamuziti kwa account wanu ku National Bank zikulira ku National Bank iku Zugulira. Wai, 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 wai. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you uh, sisters, when you employ that worker, orientation. You know, come, come, come. So you now you want to orient her on how to operate the cooker. You see, have you seen this knob here? Eh. Eh. Uh-huh. Touch it. Touch it. Now, pull it this way. You want to break it? You want to break it? And that fellow will be shivering. No matter. Please. Please. Let's treat our workers well. I know somebody may be saying, but pastor, my own children will not be houseworkers. It's true. Maybe your daughter will be a chief executive. But she may be abused by the board. Yes. You see the board agitating and ganging up that this CEO is useless. And that CEO is your daughter. And your daughter will be surprised. What is happening to me? That the board chair is against me. I don't know what wrong I committed. You didn't commit any wrong against the board chair. It is your parents who committed the wrong against somebody's child. They mistreated as a housewaker. You have to be very, very careful. If you don't know how to manage workers, don't hire them. I'm sure you know the acronym DIY. DIY. Do it yourself. If you don't know how, cook yourself. Wash your place. Wash your clothes. Clean up the house. Clean up the house. And sweat there, then you will appreciate when you begin to have backache that look, those people are doing a good job. At 11 p.m. The worker is still in the kitchen. Because there is a policy. The utensils that have been used for the evening must be cleaned. So it doesn't matter 
the circumstances, whether it is at 12 midnight, you must clean the utensils. So someone who go to bed at 1am, 4am, is back to the house. You are a cruel master or mistress. No, maybe you don't like my message. <laughs> I know somebody may be saying, Pastor, but you started very well. <laughs> I don't know where you are going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of you that are bosses in your workplaces, I wouldn't be surprised that some of your employees are actually having nights of prayers over you. <laughs> Yes. Yes. It's a wicked woman. Wicked man. Lord, show him that you are God. Arise. Let our enemies be scattered. And the enemy they are talking about is you, sir. And you are a church elder. <laughs> And you are surprised that your leg is paining you. Those are the prayers of your workers. <laughs> and then, you know, there are also some homes, especially homes. Yeah. Even in the workplace, it happens, but let's talk about the home. The woman in the house, the wife, will hire a worker. The housemaid. You see that the husband wants to be sleeping with the husband. I have heard those stories. I have handled such stories. The woman will be saying, this is my husband. Is anything goes. Yes. House worker or whoever worker. That's why I fire them all the time they come. It's because of this man. And when you ask him, is it true, sir? <laughs> yes, I can't agree more. <laughs> So please, here are further guidelines regarding employer and employee relationship. Let's do this quickly. Number one, don't speak abusively to your workers. Don't speak abusively your workers. When Pharaoh treated the children of Israel harshly, God also reacted harshly. Number two, always be mindful of the welfare of your workers. Always be Mindful of the welfare 
and the wellness, the well-being of your workers. Number three. Appreciate your workers whenever they have done well. Matthew 25 verse 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. So well done is, is an expression that must exist in the workplace. So when you are appreciating your cook for preparing a nice meal. Don't say what has happened today. You've prepared a very nice meal. No. That's not appreciation. So what has happened today? It means the other days you do it deliberately. No. Appreciate them for the work, the job that they have done well. Number four. Observe rules of natural justice when resolving conflicts among the workers. <laughs> yes. Observe rules of natural justice when resolving conflicts among the workers. For instance, do not just hear from one party and pass judgment. Everyone involved in the matter should be heard. Number five, where necessary or where applicable. Where applicable. Manual workers should be given protective clothing. Protective clothing. So for example, your your, your garden boy, as we call them. Let's, let's give him a better name. Not garden boy, but your landscaping officer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your landscape, landscape officer. Must be given boots. Gumboots. Gumboots. Yes, yes, gumboots. Mm -hmm. When it's for him to just in case, mm -hmm. you don't want him to step on something that may hurt him. Gloves are important. Depending on what sort of jobs your workers have to carry out. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Number six. Is it number six now? 
Workers should also be accorded annual leave and all time off as stipulated in the laws of the land. Number seven. Number seven. Workers must equally observe the following. Workers must equally observe the following. So we want to look at one or two things there. Number one, they must discharge their duties with diligence as unto the Lord. There's not denying that sometimes workers can be lazy. Sometimes they can demonstrate some level of incompetence. But the charge here is that they must carry out their duties with diligence. That is why they must be given feedback, continuous feedback and coaching. But when you are coaching them, don't raise your voice as if you are shouting at them. People should not shake when you call them. Say, Anapiri. And she knows that, look, I'm in for slaughter. I'll be roasted. <laughs> or in the workplace, James! Can you come? And the guy will be shaking. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sit down. Uh, uh, are we in the farm? Are we in the farm? Is this not a workplace like? Is this not an office? Are we in the field? Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Please write that down. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Number 2. Workers must produce high quality work worthy of commendation. Yes. Yes. They must produce high quality work worthy of commendation. Let's emphasize on quality. The work being done must be. If, if, if we are talking about house workers, you see, the house, the, the house must show that look, uh, mopping has been done on the floor. When I look up in the ceiling, yes, I must not see cobwebs. Ah, do I have a worker here? Ah, you see a lot of cobwebs. Huh? Are we just looking down? Are we also looking up? The psalmist said, I, I, I lift my eyes to the hills. So lift your eyes. See. <laughs> lift your eyes to the ceiling and see. Can't you see that there is something wrong there? And some people, when they are cleaning the bedroom, they don't go under the bed. Huh? 
So you can see everywhere is clean. But there is a boundary of dust. <laughs> so work must be done thoroughly. If we come now to the workplace like in the corporate world, reports, letters, memos that are being drafted must be of high quality. So when your children are saying daddy is at the office, it must show by your reports. It's not just about wearing suit. The reports must show that look, uh, this report has been done by someone who has children. <laughs> He has a wife. You don't want reports that have no comma. Where, where you are supposed to have comma, there is no comma. Where there is supposed to be a heading, there is no heading. It's like an essay. <laughs> no, sir. The greatest challenge of African professionals is capacity. Capacity. Sometimes you see in the, you know, social media now has everything. You see letters signed by uh, government officials with their own social media. Sometimes when you read the letter, you say, what kind of English is this? Sentence construction. Written in English, but in Chichewa. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So that means what I'm teaching is relevant, isn't it? Number, number three. Still talking about workers. They must discharge their duties with diligence. Number two, they must produce high quality work. Number three, they must be faithful in their duties. Integrity is a must at all times. And you know that in the workplace today, we have thrown integrity out of the window. That is why there is a lot of stealing, pilferage, abuse of resources. Yeah. Especially in government systems. Abuse. It may not be stealing, but just general abuse of resources. Yeah. You see a government vehicle carrying somebody's firewood. I don't know now, but in those days, I don't know whether it is still happening. In those days, you would, you would see parastate of vehicles like trucks carrying party people for party rallies. 
I don't know whether it is still happening. I haven't been following. Maybe it is still happening. Because politicians are the same. Anyway. They are the same. They don't learn from each other. Politicians are one group of people who don't learn from other people's mistakes. Anyway, let's, let's continue. <laughs> so, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. Luke 16, verses 10 to 12. Luke 16, verse 10, in 12. Luke 16, verses 10 to 12. Luke 16, verse 10, in 12. All those scriptures are talking about faithfulness. You don't. In Genesis 39, you know the, the story. Genesis 39, verses 7 to 9. Verse 7, when Potiphar's wife wanted to have a sexual affair with Joseph, um, the Joseph said no. Joseph He refused. And said. Not. Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand. Verse 9. There is no one greater in this house than I nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? You see, I can't do it. That's integrity, my friend. That's integrity. This is a worker in somebody's company. Says, I cannot do this. No. I will not have sex with my boss. For what kind of favor? No. 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 In any case, promotion is of the Lord. Promotion. Please understand this. Promotion is of the Lord. But I want to caution us. If you choose to live a life of integrity, be prepared to suffer and don't be surprised when you suffer. Because people who fight against you, systems will fight against you. They don't like integrity. You will be called all sorts of names. You may be sidelined, neglected, and rejected. So a life of integrity comes at a cost. And you must be willing to bear that cost. Is it making sense? Mm. Alright, very quickly indeed. Mamsanga. Can we look at specific guidelines for handling house helps? Mm-hmm. Hey, hey. So we are talking about the, the guard. Yes. Housekeepers. And 
the landscaping assistant. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Babysitters. Because some homes that can afford. They have several workers in the house. There's a housekeeper. The housekeeper is not a cook. He's not involved with cooking. Yes, yes. He's just the keeper of the house. Ironing clothes, washing clothes, doing things like making sure the house is... And then you have the cooks. And then you have child minders. It depends also because if they are twins... Maybe you, you find out that there will be two child minors. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then you also have what we call handymen. So these, these they neither cook nor look after children. They are just those who say, okay, can you bring the pot? Can you, the, these are just handmen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, life in, is in levels. You are moving to those levels. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. So what we are saying is, there are specific guidelines I want to share with us. When it comes to such people. Number one. Do not employ a maid or a house helper if you do not really need one. Please. It's not fashion. There are times when you may not need one for varied reasons. Maybe your financial situation do not, does not allow you to do that. But it may not be financial. It could be that, for example, all your children are in school. There isn't much to do. So you just want to say, ah, there's no need. So please, don't employ, especially a maid. If you do not really need one. Number two. Do not get a male house help, a male house worker, especially the one working inside the house, if all your children are girls. You say, me, I don't like ladies. I, I, I want uh, a man. They are, they are a bit more organized. But all your children are girls. That is a danger, my friend. Am I teaching you wisdom here? Mm. Number three. Do a background check of your house workers before getting them. Do a background check. And it's also 
good practice to do some what do you call it fingerprinting with the police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But do some background check. Who is this person? Where do they come from? It's also important to know where they come from. Who are they related to? In case of emergencies. And if this fellow commutes, you'd rather know where they stay. Don't be too busy that you, you have no time to check where they stay. More importantly, make it a prayer to God that he should give you the right house helps. Number four. Do not employ a fully grown-up maid that looks sexy. This is advice to sisters that are married. That looks sexy. We'll talk about issues of beauty later, but I'm talking about someone Okay, but at least people understand uh, yes, what yes. I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yes. Do not employ a fully grown-up maid that looks sexy. Yes. Such a maid can easily destroy your marriage. Yes. Yeah, because every time your husband will be looking at her, you see that she has this special smile with funny, funny eyes. Please, please don't bring such a fellow into your house. These are realities. Number five. Married women should not employ a maid that is more beautiful than them. So put yourself in some form of beauty contest. With the lady. If in your judgment, you think that, hey, this one is <laughs> more beautiful than me. Don't bring that fellow into your house. Those are realities. If you have a maid, number six, do not mistreat her. If you have a maid, do not mistreat her. Why? Because if you mistreat her, there are high chances that she will deal harshly with your children when you are not at home. I think there was a clip the other time that came from, was it Kenya? Was it Kenya? Of a house worker who was mistreating, the, she, she didn't know that they had fixed cameras. Yes. 
But you find out that sometimes it's because of how the mother of the house was treating that housework. Yes. You may leave some nice food, no? You know, some nice, what do you call them? Conflicts. Conflicts. Say, you know, these conflicts you give the children at at, at 10. Okay, madam. Yes. And then at 10, that's when she will be swallowing the conflicts. <laughs> yeah. 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 After that, she will go and sleep on your bed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Number seven. Seven. Do not surrender your kitchen to your maid. This is going to married women. Do not surrender your kitchen to your maid. Yes, let her work there, but you should be in full control of the kitchen. Please, these are important precautionary measures. People are losing their, their marriages. Number eight. Number eight. Women as my should serve their husbands food themselves. This should not be left to the mate. table. <laughs> We ankama WhatsApp. Ah, ah, so we phone a bunch Yeah. <laughs> Never. Amen. Amen. You see, this wisdom is supposed to be part of our common sense, but modern day women have lost it. I'm talking about most of us, the homes where we live. We serve people water. Wash your hands. Of course, now increasingly, many homes will just have a sink somewhere near the dining table. Yes. But some of you have not moved to that yet. You are still passing blessings around, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Am I right here? Oh, yes. <laughs> so if, if you are in a home like that, when it comes to your husband, please give, give him water yourself. Don't say, can you give a daddy water? Come on. Come on, before you know it, she will give more than water. Mm. Yes, it's mm -hmm. true. Number nine. Number nine. Is it number nine? 
do not employ a maid if you do not have a separate room to keep her. Do not employ a maid if you do not have a separate room to keep her. And I want to say this. Never allow your maid to sleep in the sitting room or the corridor or in the kitchen. Or in the garage. Hmm? Especially those of us who live in smaller houses. One, two bedroom. And the sitting room. The sitting room. You say, okay, yeah, when it is evening, this sitting room becomes your bedroom. Ah. Hey. Ah. 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 Mm -mm. Maybe employ someone who can commute from elsewhere. But if you want the fellow to be staying with you, then make sure you have a separate room to accommodate the person. At all times and in all situations, this is number what? Number 10. Maids should not be permitted to wear sexy or revealing dresses in your house because you have your husband to protect. Yes, we know that your husband is a tree of righteousness. But he is not a physical tree. He has emotions and eyes. Yeah. And if he is tired of you, he will try to look for who is immediately available. I'm talking about Christian husbands. I'm not talking about non-believing husbands out there. I mean, for them, that is like the order of the day, sleeping with housemates. But I'm talking about Christian brothers in the church. That have had these temptations. The wife wakes up in the night. She discovers that the man is not in the bedroom. Yes. True stories. Ah, has he gone to the sitting room for midnight prayers? You know, men of Vela pray at midnight. <laughs> check all the toilets. And then somehow she says, let me check the housemate's room. And then, first of all, she will just do like, listen, listen, just, maybe just in case. And then she hears. <laughs> <laughs> what are we saying tonight? Let's do everything we can to treat workers well in every way possible. I will come again. Let's do everything we can to treat our workers well in every way possible. Hallelujah. Amen.
May we please, after we are done writing, rise on our feet. Hallelujah. Amen. I said hallelujah. Amen. Let's appreciate God for his word. Yes, lift your voice, somebody. Magnify him. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. We worship you. We honor you. Father, we give you thanks and praise. We celebrate, exalt, and glorify your name. We thank you, Lord, for ministering to us. Thank you for the impartation of words of wisdom. We celebrate you. We honor you. We exalt you. We glorify your name. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Now may the Lord bless you. May he give you peace. Success and prosperity. Open doors on every side. May he preserve you. I said may he preserve you. In the name of Jesus. May he cause you to excel in your social life. You will do well. You will prosper. May you receive all the desires of your heart. In the name of Jesus. May it be well with you on every side. In the name of Jesus. You come here safely, you're going back home safely. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, Psalm 23 and verse number 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Praise the Lord.